0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first segment of Tuesday Tips brought to you by the HuntLifty Podcast. So we've been kicking around the idea of adding uh, another episode per week, and we decided we didn't want to do another full-fledged uh, episode that's going to be, you know, an hour, hour 45, whatever. And so we want to kind of give you guys more tips, like real like down and dirty specific stuff as it relates to hunting, lifting, and eating. And so that's what we're going to bring test it out see if you guys like it we'd love to hear any off feedback but we'll go ahead and kick this one off Uh, i think we're on this episode we're going to cover some uh, some cooking tips so evan what do you got
1: yeah what's up everybody um so for my first cooking tip uh on this new little segment here i'm going to talk a little bit about the pre-freeze prep so basically some tips that i've learned over the years of ways to ensure that your meats um lasting especially if you're putting a lot of meat in the freezer and you need it to last a whole year or more than a year um, so it's not spoiling and that you're getting the best quality meat when you get it out so me luke and perry all um, have started using vacuum sealers it's something that i think i'll never go away from i highly recommend it to anyone that is not using a vacuum sealer to try it they're not that expensive um, when it comes down to it and in my opinion the juice is way worth the squeeze when it comes to the amount of time you put into it and the reward you get out of it. I know a lot of people still use butcher paper. They've always used butcher paper or um, the freezer Ziploc bags that you can get. I don't think any of those is a bad option just over the years. I know that the three of us and me in particular have really come to like using uh, the vacuum sealer. and on that. Another little tip for you is something I started doing. Just, I just had the idea and thought about just from seeing like pre-marinated and pre seasoned stuff in the store, just a thought about going ahead on some cuts of meat. I don't do this for every cut of meat, but when I do vacuum seal a lot of times, especially if I do like a whole back strap or one of those big rows that you might want to slow cook or smoke or grill or whatever, whatever you want to do, anything that's not going to be crock pot. Basically I'll take a little bit of seasonings, not a whole lot of liquid and I usually keep it basic like salt, pepper, garlic, maybe a little mesquite seasoning, sage, rosemary, just your, your, pretty standard aromatic slash mild flavors not your not anything crazy with like the pre uh, the pre-season marinade packets or anything and just sprinkle some of that in there with with your uh, meat before you vacuum seal it and sometimes i do like a uh, tablespoon or two of soy sauce or oyster sauce add a little liquid as well and it really does um, go a long way with the flavor and Also the pre-cook time. So it it cuts down on a lot of your prep time in the kitchen. But that's,
2: that's my first cooking tip there.
0: It's good stuff, man. Um, What do you got Perry?
2: Yeah, along similar lines, actually, which some of this is kind of pre-cook, but something I've really changed over the years. Back when I was a younger hunter, I used to really spend a whole lot of time trying to think about when I was, really when I was processing the animal, uh, the the deer primarily, in this case, what we're talking about. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how I was going to cook it, what what type of techniques and methods I was going to use, and then try to do small, very specific cuts as part of the actual butchering and um, processing. And what I learned over the years is that a, a couple of things. One, it limits you when it comes time to actually cook the meat. And two, it can actually really make it a lot easier to overcook wild game and if there's one thing that I absolutely hate it's it's overdone venison you know all of us we like our venison pretty medium rare and so one of the things I've really started doing as I've as I've gotten older and tried some different techniques is when I'm butchering the animal and processing it leaving as large a cut as I possibly can because At the end of the day, you're way less likely to overcook that meat. It's easier to get the the controlled temperature that you want. And the beautiful thing about it is, if you're doing something like a neck roast, or if you're doing something like a shoulder roast, that's going to be slow cooked, or it's going to be smoked, it's going to be low and slow for a long time, it really reduces the amount of trimming and the amount of prep work that's required. On the other hand, if you're doing something like a a backstrap, or, you know, round steak or sorrel or something like that. If you leave it in as big a chunks as you can possibly can to still fit in those vacuum seal bags, as Evan alluded to, then it gives you a whole lot more options when it comes time to actually cook the meat. If you want to do traditional steaks on the grill, go for it. If you want to do something a little different, you know, make some some steak fajitas, um, it just gives you a lot more options at the end of the day. And for me, having small kids, having a family now, when it comes time to make the meal, do the do the actual cooking itself, having that versatility is really, really worth it.
0: Actually, perfectly segues into my tip, which is going to be on how I cook these whole chunks of meat, um, specifically the ones that, so like you, you've you got all your different cuts, right? Your shoulder roasts, uh, your neck roasts, your shanks, those have a lot more of the connective tissue, the sinew, all that stuff. And so you want to really slow cook those, uh, especially cook them down in like a liquid or braise them. So all that uh, connective tissue breaks down into collagen and, and gelatin. So, but I'm talking about your trimmed up cut. So your back straps, all your ham steaks, any your, your ham roasts that are thick and thick and trimmed. So the way I like to do that is I, I use I have a pellet grill. So I use, uh, use the pellet grill and I, I'll smoke them until an internal temp of 115. However, you can do this in an oven. You can do this in anything that you have convection, uh, smoker grill. If you do like offset heat or, um, in an oven. So I, 225 until it hits an internal temp of 115, pull it off. I'll let it rest for around five minutes. And in my cast iron skillet, I'll have heated up some butter. You don't want to do it. You don't want to prep the butter too early or uh, burn the butter. And this would be where, you know, if you're a Carter, you might want to throw in a little rosemary in the pan, get some aromatics in there, get your rosemary rolling. And once that, that butter's up to temp, then you slap that meat in there probably around, depending on the, the thickness, right? So this is pretty variable. Which it's usually roughly about four minutes each side, flip it, get that good crust, throw your, your thermometer in there. You want it to be sitting right at 125. At that point, pull it off, let it sit five to 10 minutes and then slice it thin. And so what Perry's talking about is when you've got those, these big whole chunks and you're cooking it now you slice it, you can do whatever you want to with it. You can eat it just like steak. You can cut it, uh, then throw it in fajitas, throw it in tacos, stew it up, but now it's not cooked. If you try to stir fry it first and then cook it in the skillet, you're going to have very well done cooked pieces of meat. So
2: that was uh that was something that Evan and I growing up, our dad when he was processing his venison and then ultimately cooking it. He always liked to do different types of stir fry with with rice and vegetables, and there's a million different, you know, variations you can do on that and a lot of times they can be really good. But I remember one thing that he always did was go ahead and cut up those steak cuts, some of those ham cuts or, you know, the better cuts into the small stir fry pieces, like you're talking about Luke. And by the time you, even if you just do a quick sear in a pan and you saute the vegetables in there with them, it's, it's almost impossible to leave it any sort of a of, uh, medium or rare temperature. And you just get these, these, stew, you know, chewy pieces of steak. So that's just something I've learned that I've, I've really gotten away from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. use the method that I just described, Cook it cook it to that one twenty five, then you slice it. You can go in if you want to do like stir fry, you already have your vegetables going, and then you just throw it in there, get them coated in, you know, the oil, mix them with the vegetables, but you're not really cooking them anymore. And, you know, it's the same with anything else. And the other thing, and then having it rare or medium rare, one twenty five is on the the rarer side of medium rare, but it's then gonna set you up for success with your leftovers the next day because you're not sitting there trying to chew, you know, boot leather as you heat it up in the microwave or whatever.
2: Yeah, and we actually Evan Evan and I are together right now. He's here with me in North Carolina, and uh, it's funny you mentioned that because he just did that uh, last night with a with the round, I believe it was that you had cooked real rare, and then we reheated it, and it was still it was perfect temp.
1: Yeah, so basically I cooked a lot of meat beforehand because I was cooking for me and my daughter, just us, and then I knew I was coming to stay here at Perry, and I didn't want to show up empty handed, so I uh, just had a, a top round steak, and I marinated it and some basic stuff, salt, pepper, uh, minced garlic and rosemary, I think actually a little bit of Texas peat, cause I'm a fucking redneck, but, uh, yeah, I just seared it in the cast iron it with butter, just really high heat crusted the outside. So it was super rare. And then when I got to Perry's house, I just wrapped it in foil and spritzed it with some soy sauce and Worcestershire sauce and then heated it in the oven for, I don't know how long Perry, probably 20 minutes yeah maybe at the most maybe 20 minutes at like 300 degrees and it came out like a perfect medium rare and was super tender so
0: yeah so that's when you cook in a convection so if it's an oven or pellet grill or you know offset grill or whatever you have got that heat what you're doing is you're, you're cooking it the meat evenly all the way through and so you're not going to get if you just slap it on You know, if you take a steak and you just slap it on the skillet and get that sear, you'll get that really good crust and, you know, the outer edges will be cooked. But then the dead center is going to be completely, you know, rare raw. Sometimes it's even cold. And that's why a lot of people don't like rare. But if you you can cook it rare to where it's been cooked internally, evenly, and then you sear the outside, now you've got a very good, even cook throughout. And so that's, that's why I use the technique that I do. And I think it just lends itself very, very well to wild game with those lean cuts of meat. But honestly, you can do it with anything. I've got a London broil from my dad's beef uh, in the in the refrigerator right now. I'm gonna do it the exact same way, and it's just a great way to cook whole chunks of meat. And then it's very versatile with the leftovers. But yeah, so to wrap this one up, we can kind of do a quick recap. Evan, your tip was vacuum sealing, and you think that's the uh, the preferred method to when you're uh, when you're freezing.
1: I do. It it saves on space because it obviously pulls all the air out and it kind of scrunches up the meat in and of itself, especially with your ground. Um, I I think it saves on on space. And then also I think it keeps it way more fresh than your freezer or butcher paper or your Ziploc freezer bags.
0: I think it's a lot faster too. I've noticed that once you start getting into a rhythm and if you pre-cut your bags and then you have them staged, if you kind of know what your bags, my bags are roughly always the same size. And so I can just go. And cut, seal, cut, seal, cut, seal, and it's a lot faster.
1: I agree. And for anyone that's uh, listening on Amazon, what I do is you can buy the pre-cut quart and freezer, or sorry, the quart and gallon um, bags. And then I buy the 200 bundles, and it saves a lot of money than buying them. I think you can get um, by like 20, 50, 100, and I buy the 200. So the large ones, and they last me a really long time, and it saves a lot of money in the long run. I would
0: suggest spending the extra money on the more durable bags, the thicker ones, especially if you're freezing anything that has, you're doing anything bone-in. I've noticed anytime I'm doing bone-in, whether it's, you know, I do usually my wild hog, I leave the bones in and then shoulder roasts, neck roasts. Sometimes those the spinal bones will cut the bags if you go with the cheaper ones. So I always buy the heavy-duty bags. And Perry, your tip was whole chunks, right? Just... Whenever you're cutting them up, cut them up in the biggest chunks possible?
2: Yeah, for sure. It's definitely something that I've really, really grown to like, and I do it all the time now with my deer, and it, it can be applied to anything, obviously, deer, mule uh, deer, elk, even turkeys, um, what have you. The largest cut you can do that still makes sense, it gives you options on the back end for your cooking techniques and your um, your prep, and then it... it it allows the allows the uh, the nature of the cut to kind of come through. Can save you time on the on the uh, trimming, et cetera, when you're doing the processing for those big roasts or the, the like a neck roast or shoulder or something like that. You don't have to spend too much time trying to trim all the fat off if it's going to go low and slow. And it's it's a it's kind of been a game changer for me and something that I'll probably never get back from.
0: It also makes it quicker during the butchering process. Is when you can just have those whole slabs throw them in the back bags like we talked about i mean i can burn through a deer extremely quickly these days versus back in the day it took me it was like an all-day affair to butcher two deer now you can go through
2: them in a couple hours absolutely it's it's definitely it's a time and efficiency thing all the way around and it's it's totally worth it if, if you're not if you're not used to doing it that way definitely encourage you to give it a shot and i think you're gonna like it
0: Here's a bonus tip while we're on the subject. If you are doing anything bone in, like the uh, neck roasts, or I take the shoulders and I cut them in half. So I have like, I caught an arm roast and then the blade roast. Uh, convert one of your old sawzalls or go to Harvard Freight and buy a shitty sawzall and use that thing for your meat saw. It will expedite you significantly. Uh, if you're going to do bone out anyways, because you want to grind everything, like you don't need it, you don't need a saw to process an animal. But if you're going to do bone in cuts and you want to saw, an old cheap saws all significantly uh, more cost effective than, than running a, and trying to buy a band saw or something.
2: Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned bone in too, because that was something I meant to, I meant to say, because that's something else that I've done for a lot of those, those cuts out of the front shoulders as well as the neck. And it, when you're doing a, a roast or a slow, low and slow method, leaving that bone in there, having that bone cut with the saw, like you said, which I do the same thing and it's, it's awesome. It really allows the, uh, the flavor to come through of that bone marrow and actually get out in your meat as it's cooking. And that's, that's a good tip as well.
0: And uh, to wrap it up, just to kind of reiterate what I said. So 115, you're going to cook it internal temp roughly around 225. And then you're going to let that rest five minutes. Sear. You can really use whatever oil you want. Ghee has a higher smoke point than butter. So ghee is honestly the, probably the preferred, but most people don't have ghee. They use butter geese clarified butter, anybody curious. But uh four minutes each side, toss in your rosemary, and then uh check it, make sure you're sitting around 125, give or take a few degrees for that internal temp, let that rest five, ten minutes, then slice that shit thin, and there you go. You're ready to rock. You can use that for whatever you want, eat it as is, throw it in tacos, quesadillas, stir-fry, stew meat, whatever. So that's the uh the first episode of Tuesday tips. So We'll work through this, make it a little more fluid as we figure out exactly what the flow is going to look like and everything. But we appreciate it. And definitely shoot us your uh, your feedback or let us know if you guys have any tips for us that you want us to share. All right. Thanks, y'all.